folks, start your engines and your tape recorders, because uh, here we go. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. So it comes down to this. The final fire up of the 2021 Rugby League season. I'm Dennis Carnahan here for our last regular season fire up. Still in lockdown, doing it remotely with Chris Gale. A crestfallen Redfern Pat, fresh from putting them over the black dot from all around Redfern Oval with a beer in one hand. And a return appearance for the Big Dance Review Show by Brendan Cowell. However... I can't help but think we're finishing too soon. There's so much to get fired up about. Rugby league is again awash with cocaine. After the Storms trio's white baggy bash on the Gold Coast last week, the NRL has hit them about as hard as the gentle wet fish slap that Matt Burton accidentally gave Dane Gagai in the big dance. A one-match ban each and finds that really just amount to a good night out in their terms. Spanky Munster would be sniggering to his vaudeville villain's moustache. But now off a Hickey Ogden. He's climbed into the spotlight. Although the main concern in his alleged case is, what's a first grade NRL player doing driving a Mazda 3? What is he, a uni student driving his mum's old car? But there's so much more. Overlord Volandis, the new broadcast deal starting 2023 is sorted and underpinned by Fox. But what of the free-to-air negotiations? What of Channel 9? Confirmation of the 17th team. Aaron Woods to the Dragons. Benji to retire. So much doing. There is no off-season. But I've skirted around it enough. We must address the elephant in the room. The grand final is finished. The season is done. Darkness rises. The Panthers won. Yes, the duo that Chris Gale dubbed the most evil duo in rugby league have won. The man Chris Gale dubbed the most evil man in rugby league has leapt out of second place in the coaches who have coached the most games without winning a premiership list into the pantheon of coaches who've won a premiership. And didn't they lair up? But can they now be called Muglairs? Having won the big dance, is it now not appropriate they lair up? Surely the rugby league narrative needed the Latrell-less bunnies to win. Wayne coaching an historic fourth club to a grand final. Benji coming back 16 years after winning his previous grand final. Redfern, Pat, the 1908 Bell, Mark Nosy Nichols. So much feel good, but it wasn't to be. But Pat, I'll leave you with the reassuring words of Martin Luther King Jr. from his Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech in Oslo 1964. As relevant and prescient as they were then today. I refuse to accept this cynical notion that franchise after franchise must spiral down the bellamistic staircase into a hell of wrestling, blocking, encroaching the 10 metres and being muglairs. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in rugby league. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumphant. And with that, to your hands, Brendan Cowell and Chris Gale, I commit fire-ups dissection of the 2021 Grand Final. Have at it! Loving the uh, verbal tennis, Dennis. Um, I did watch the game on the weekend because I thought, having watched um, all eight games for 26 rounds plus the semi-finals, I owed it my, to myself to finish strong by watching the final one. So I tuned tuned into Channel 9's um, podcast app on live on Sunday on my TV, um, starring Gus Gould, Andrew Johns, um, as soon to be evicted Peter Sterling, 
uh, Erin Mullen and Danica. Love Danica. I thought Emma Lawrence, brilliant on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Um, I love JT for getting to share the mic like he was, you know, first time as the, the best man at a wedding, just going, oh, shit, not used to these things. And then how he kind of scolded himself um, for messing it up and he's probably still at home going, jeez, I practised it, I practised it. Uh, but it was an 80s grand final, wasn't it? It was, you know, manly, para, 8-6. Um, I had a feeling, and I said this quite publicly and everyone went, oh, yeah, I said they'll miss Luttrell in the grand final. Oh. Blake Tapp is fantastic teenager and apparently they're um, grooming him. Uh, it's not a word that usually <laughs> used in positive terms. It's usually got to do with George Pell or something, it's doesn't it? They're grooming him um, to, be, to be the seven um, mm. for the departing Adam Reynolds now that um, old um, Milford hasn't shown himself in his best light for Redfern. Um, and I thought what they needed was a knockout punch. They needed a Michael Jordan. They needed a bloke to just go, oh, I'm going to make something out of nothing. And um, Cody and Adam did their best. And I think if they played the game again four hours later, maybe their six and seven have the luck. And the six and seven from Penrith, they don't have the luck. And that's what it came down to. It was 14-12. And if you look at all the stats, you know, it was like 70, you know, possession, 63-57, like, Missed tackles this much, they're just a little less dependent. They won by exactly two points. They they deserve to win by exactly two points. Um, it wasn't the most spectacular of victories, but it was a really tough, relentless game to be played. And I was happy uh, to watch the full 80 minutes, um, you know, because Melbourne weren't playing. And I thought that was basically the greatest outcome of the game that no, as the time went on throughout the fixture, Melbourne still weren't playing. Um, they were just in trouble for being a bit naughty with the old whiz fizz. Um, or as Paul Kent called it, um, salt on back? the table. Sorry, sorry, Dennis? Were you concerned that the Roosters might come back at some point? I, During I the game? Worry, yeah, that they might just somehow have turned up and started playing because it, oh. it was so nice for them not to be there as well. Look, I think they went to Townsville um, with a, you know, trying to predict the game might be shifted there and that if it was shifted there, they'd be already playing when you came and they go, oh, there we go, we better give them a go. But they had too many players in hospital, um, even players that hadn't played for them were in hospital. Um, so it was South v Penrith and there's something that I love about Penrith that I hate about Penrith. They're cocky, young handsome, mulleted Westies and, you know, the way they jump on each other. I tell you what, look, I I left rugby league when I was 16 because of the impact. I went for the emotional pain of the arts over the physical pain of rugby league. And I don't think I could even handle the post-try celebrations now. Like you look at Cody Walker, he scores. He then braces himself because you can look up on the big screen and you can see if there's forwards or backs about to jump on you and crash tackle you from behind. And you can see that the players now, they have to think twice. They have to score, then put themselves in a position to be ready to have 11 men manhandle them at pace. You know what? I think that's the moment when Benji Marshall said, I'm retiring. If you look at that celebration with Walker's try, they're all piling on and Benji sort of kind of attaches himself and then he just thinks better of it and walks away and said, 
I can still play the game. I can still make a contribution, but I can't celebrate anymore. It's done for me. Yeah, because Gordon Tallis said I was driving to training and I saw guys eating burgers and having beers in the bars on the way there, and I went, I want to be doing that <laughs> instead exactly. of going to training. But for Benji, it's like I just can't rejoice physically anymore. No. And, and the, what you say about Penrith, we've been reflecting on a fair bit because – Obviously, I've got issues. I mean, Paul Kent today said Tigers fans should get over it. A father's love for son trumps everything. And he said we shouldn't be feuding anymore. And I'd say tell that to Russell Crowe. But but um, uh, we sort of liken Penrith a little bit to the Kardashians. They're kind of flashy. Uh, there is a cockiness to them. Does that make them lovable or are they loved and hated in equal measure for you? Oh, I you know... I'm always thinking with our advertising and the aggression and the way, you know, the way that NRL kind of is stuck in the 1950s with the way we present it. I mean, I think what Fox have done in the last five years, you can see the difference between that and Channel 9. I mean, Channel 9's media packages are still just so sad and stuck in, you know, the days of TV past. And I think Fox have moved into the future and, you know, you look at the ads in the NBA and, and the way America presents its its sport. And, you know, I, I look at the Panthers and they reflect that a bit. Their, their personal brands, they don't give a shit what people think. And the kids love them and they got energy and it's un-Australian because it's not painfully humble. Um, and 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 it gets under my skin, but I love it. And, you know, we want characters in the game. As soon as we have a character in the game, we shoot them down and say, stop doing that character get rid of your character, then they get rid of the character. We say there's no characters in the game. So I think it's great for Penrith to be all blinged up, wanting to be on the strip in LA, LeBron style, Mount Druitt, you know, with the posse, drinking the milk, rap songs on Instagram. Fantastic, you know, and they deserved it. I mean, can you imagine the the Cleary house? Can you imagine Ivan Cleary? He's coached he's coached 176,000 games of rugby league and he's never won a competition. It could have been pretty devastating out in the west. Well, look, let's let's get into the in-depth technical analysis of the game. So we started off with the Stafford brothers and Timmy Trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> now, were they about? famous for the Ray Warren song that they played? Is that was that their claim? The rap song? No, I just think I just think they Is do that their song. No, no, I just think they dubbed in a little bit of rabbit's commentary uh, on top of their uh, magnum opus freak. And as uh, some commentators said, that was to appeal to the youth who were young back in 2010 because that's sort of kind of <laughs> there. The thing I love about Timmy Trumpet is no one ever calls him Timmy. It's always Timmy Trumpet, you know, like. And uh, uh, the, the Stafford brothers, they, they had two seasons of a reality show on, uh, on, gee, on Channel V, I think, but that's kind of gone now. Did they? Oh, yeah. Look, sure, I, you know. I, I, I want to fire up about this because I thought it was reprehensible. I don't understand. As Matty John says, the AFL, it's always Eskimo Joe. You know what I mean? They're ready to go all year. <laughs> they play their one song, Eskimo Joe, at the AFL. And – with Australian entertainment, you come back from living overseas, America, England, you're like, what the fuck are we doing? We've got the best bands in the world. We're the best musicians in the world. We're so good at music you know, but when we get up and perform it, it's all tokenistic and soft and bad. We've got amazing Aboriginal rappers. We've got, like, Yothi Yundi. We've got, they can fucking Thelma Plum. They can belt out a song. She could do an Amy Winehouse bloody song. 
then have Baker Boy coming on, then have Ian Moss into Tucker's daughter. Uh, don't ever have a chick sing Flame Trees. It's illegal. It's not for chicks to sing. No, you know, no, no, no. Chris has got offended by that. He's, no, he's no, gone. Chris is actually. Gone I love Kate Miller, Miller Hyde. I think she can really belt out a tune. I love that song she sings with Paul Kelly where she gives it the and she can do that like nobody else. But I reckon we've got to go bang, 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 stir up the emotions, fire up the music, play front foot alpha male suburban tracks Instead of this well-rounded, polite mediocrity that we seem to strive for with our sports entertainment, no, I, I cannot agree more. It's got to be. It's got to be. Let's strong. rock out. It's got to be strong, and we have rock. We have rock here. Why not play it? I mean, Even I when they had the DMAs last <clears throat> year, they played their soft ballads. It's like because oh. oh, I was there at the 2015 Grand Final when the Broncos played the Cowboys and JT. Field goal, I was sitting next to Benny Elias and Wayne Blair. I'd had 78 sherbets. And when far out with Cold Chisel came on and they just played us flat out set. And I'm not saying that they need to play every year because that's what everyone says. Just get Chisel every year. That's not the point. Get what Chisel did mm. and what Chisel made us feel that year, which was for half an hour we felt nostalgic emotional, ready, pumped up. We were singing. We were standing. We were rocking. You know, just do that. The NRL has had problems with half-time entertainment in the grand final because previously they got Daryl Braithwaite and the floor manager forgot. He was actually going to come out and sing horses acoustically. This is two years ago. And they forgot. So there's Daryl with his acoustic guitar on the ground ready to go with the acoustic riding on the horses and they forgot. Like, they forgot Daryl Braithwaite. Where are their fucking heads that they forget? You've got Daryl Braithwaite. Actually, they're the guy from Sherbet, the guy who sings How's That, the guy who sings Horses, and they leave him out. But then at halftime this year, they promise there's going to be a sing-along. The, the Stafford Brothers... What about gonna... a sing-along? But th- that's what they promised, but they didn't play a sing-along. They're there going... Ns, 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 ns. Now, that's great. That's what you hear in the club, but that's not a sing-along. And I've got to say, Powderfinger, you should be ashamed of yourselves. You're not doing anything in Brisbane. You're hanging out and having Zoom calls with each other about reforming. You should have turned up to the AFL and the NRL Grand Final and you should have given us these days turned out nothing like, you know, because they didn't. The Storm didn't make the Grand Final and that would have summed up everything, you know. So where are Powderfinger... Shame on you. You should have turned up. We need to rock out. Stop with this soft glazing over, you know, apologetic entertainment. It's underwhelming and it had me yelling at the telly, uh, you know, through the telecast. But I love Joey. I thought he's fantastic. I do think, you know, I saw the numbers today um, and it was huge the amount of people that watch rugby league. And that's what shoots me about Gus Gould. He's such a good commentator. He's got incredible insight. And he should have been in such a good mood because his 58-year plan came to fruition right then with those pen- And it was only 57 players. years. It came 57 to years 57 years. There's still and, another year to go. And he spends half the bloody telegast talking about how shit a game it is, how the rules are wrong, and, and how he's just appalled by it. And you think of Americans, women, children, um, ballerinas, 
are turning in to watch this game, and this is our two hours to get them involved, to maybe get get them to go, I'm going to let Sally and Jimmy play next year. Jeez, it's an exciting game. And you got Gus Gould just bitching about it the whole time. Well, the Channel Nine crew they had they had a lot to say. Now we'll get into the into the actual game, and there was uh, Spencer Lenu was deemed not playing at Reynolds kick. Now, Pat, what did Gus say about that? He's saying that he didn't play at the ball. Yeah, but that happens when you pass it. I understand what you're trying to say. It's a stupidity in the rules. It's an absolute stupidity in the rules, and it's a technicality that you don't want to be bringing out now. If he passed that ball into his arm, making a tackle, it's six again. The fact that he's kicked it, it's still got to be sixth again. If If he's up there trying to pressure the kicker, surely he's playing at the ball. Anyway, Penrith get the get the advantage, but oh, that's a stupid rule. That's a stupid interpretation of it. It's just stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it's stupid. It's, stupid. It's, a, it's absolutely stupid. You're quite right. So what were we saying, Brendan, about uh, Gus and his mates shit canning the game? Do you know what? That's great that he says that, and I actually agree with him. But do you know when you say that? Do you know when you say that, Dennis? In the back room after the game, or in your little article on Tuesday? Yes. Or in the or in the post game analysis, post game analysis. When you we've got six five months now without football. Have a crack there in all your articles, podcasts. You know, six tackles with James Bracey. Go for it there. When you this is a piece of entertainment, as the overlord Volandis has tried to remind us. This is entertainment, Gus. Entertain us. And what he should have said was. I'm not 100% what what the referees just decided there, um, but, you know, it's about the bounce of the ball, Rugby League, and the bounce of the ball has just gone the rabbit's way. Will they do something with it? Here we are in the 20-metre line. Joey, what do you reckon? You've won some competitions. You're the eighth immortal. What's your opinion? I love Rugby League. What about that, Gus? His opinion is stupid. Stupidity, stupidity, stupidity. Ridiculous. But now... Last week, we've established that rugby league, formerly rugby league was known as a game of inches, even a game of millimetres if you go metric. But we've established now that rugby league is no longer inches and millimetres. Rugby league is a game of moments. And what did Michael Ennis say about the moments, Pat? Gee, what a moment there from Nathan Cleary. And the moment where Cameron Murray went through was the moment where someone had to be coming through in support. That was the moment for South Sydney. Where was the support? Four moments. Four moments. In 20 seconds, a game of moments, and all four in the one 20-second sentence by Michael Ennis. That's what they should have been tuning into, not Gus Gould talking about stupid. It should have been moment, 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 moment. He was yeah, I got lost for a moment there. You got lost for a moment, Chris. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Oh, look, I just think it was the, you know, as Brendan was getting fired up about the pre-game entertainment, it just took me back to the time when I first saw... Kate Miller-Heidegge perform and she did a version of Talking Head Psycho Killer and she sang it like she was psychotic and it didn't really start things off on a good foot with me and Kate Miller-Heidegge. So I just had a moment where I was probably a little bit uh, unable to continue. So it's good to be. And that moment, I mean, I I won't knock Michael Ennis because in 2016 he (laughs) single-handedly calmed the egos of the Sharks pack to win us our grand final 49 years in waiting and when they went up to him after the game um, and they said to him, Mick, what do you put that victory down to? And very eloquently he said, for Foyna, 
Fafoida! <laughs> Andrew Fafoida! 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 Which I think is still the greatest piece of post-mortem <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, but he's bloody right. No one was running with Cameron Murray. And that was the difference is that South couldn't get out of their 20. They didn't have anything to give in terms of getting out in trouble. They didn't have Latrell or Brian To'o type player, you know, in there busting through. They couldn't get into the opposition 30 to do their left left side attack. Um, but, you know, Anthony Seabold taught them all those years ago, post-contact metres. They couldn't get in the opposite opposition area. And those – Penrith, you've got to say the kick chase, you know, those Isaiah Yo blokes, um, you know, those Dylan Edwards blokes, they played with broken heads, feet. It was like watching a finale of SAS set out in Mount Druitt, you know what I mean? And and they were the ones with the one percenters. I would even say they were the ones with the half to a third of a percentage. It's all you need. And and your very close confidant, Buzz Rothfield, Brennan, is in vigor- vigorous agreement with you because he said last night on 360, putting a beautiful underline under the game and the result, he goes, if Latrell Mitchell had played, I think South would have got a lot closer to winning. And when so you only lost point, by two- Another point, maybe? If you only lost by two points, it's that's third percenters get you that extra point, and that's really what it came down to, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I often fantasise about watching Game Three of the State of Origin with Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker in the halves, you know, and yeah. and I think he had a Buzz, Buzz sits at home <laughs> with his six pack and his tie tie takeaway, and he fantasises about games that weren't ever played. Um, and I think that's what he does with his quiet time. Every time I see Buzz, he comes up to me because we're Cronulla boys, you know, and he comes up and he slides into me and with his kind of VB breath, he says, any gossip? <laughs> that's all he's ever said to me. That's our friendship. Any yeah. gossip? Any gossip? He, he, he's always working. He's the hardest working journalist in rugby league. And let me tell you, there's not that many people yapping at his heels. He managed to, um, he manages to handle um, anger management's Paul Kent better than anyone this year. <laughs> and yeah, like when Paul Kent screamed out, "I don't care," and Buzz Rothfield was, "Well, you look like you care," yes. um, <laughs> you know. And he and he's been doing that all year because. Um, you know, Hoops is sycophantic towards Paul. It's the whole bullying system, isn't it? And Buzz gets bullied. But Buzz was just cool, calm and collected this year. I thought he had all the power with Vonnie next to him. I think so. I think he's the MVP. And did, did we dodge a bullet? Because Bolts was there for a few weeks, but it was only for a few weeks. And I would have thought that to Adley? That's it. Adley. I don't know. Gone. Gone. <laughs> though, though I hear the theory is, is that if Rabbits hangs them up and – how sad would that be? One game short of a century of origins, and we've been noting that Matt Thompson is struggling to get identified in a police lineup at the best of times. Of all that the there's people, some that yeah, that they're they're warehousing Hadley for a return of the Channel Nine mic. And and one thing that before we get off the grand final that absolutely fascinates me is the amount of hatred out there for the Channel Nine commentary team. Do you guys have a perspective on that? Because it doesn't. It doesn't affect me the way it seems to affect other people. Is it just because we need something to be angry about in COVID or what is it? I suspect it's the, the hatred. You don't have as much hatred because you subscribe to Fox and so you don't see it enough to hate it. The number of people that I know who don't subscribe to Fox who and just absolutely 
loathe it. But part of me wonders, the new broadcast deal's up, the new rights is up. I'm wondering if they're actually actively trying to devalue the asset. If Gus is out there saying, nah, rugby league, stupid, stupidity and stupid and stupid, to, to then come back and say, well, look, it's a stupid game, it's rubbish, we don't need to give you that much money for it. You think they're doing that? Is it Did- like that play the producers where they try yes, to yeah, it's exactly right. the worst it's ever stinks. musical? It stinks! That's what Gus is saying. Rugby for stinks. Hitler in Germany <laughs> and right. then it ends up a smash hit. <laughs> So Ray Warren is actually um, Mel Brooks. Yep. Finally, we well. sussed it out. Springtime <laughs> for Hitler <laughs> in Germany. Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel. Gene Wilder, was it? Yeah. Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel in the original. I, look, I, I think you only find out about the hate if you're, if you're in there on the hate Um I was, I feel, I believe that's on Twitter, isn't it? Is that where hate is? Where is it? It seems hate? to be. It's a where do you read hate? I don't, I don't go, I don't oh, read mate, any hate. You can hate. get hate on Facebook. You can get hate. There's, there's plenty of hate out there. I'm not on the book or the Twitter. Yeah. So you, the, um, what about, I'm just looking at good looking people jumping off rocks into the ocean on Instagram. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, on a, I'm on a few WhatsApps. That's not good for the soul. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what was good for the soul. We've been talking about the mug layers and about the layering up and about the the shirts off romance in the dressing rooms after. But after the game, everyone's favourite, Brian Toto, after making two hundred and seventy eight thousand metres on the field after coming back. Now, remember, he's playing on one foot. One of his feet had actually been removed at the ankle because of the syndesmosis injury, and donated he's- to Dylan Edwards. Yeah, Brian Toto. Yeah, he's, and he's yeah. come down and he's, he's, well, he appeared to go down on one knee, but again, it's because he had that leg removed. He goes to his fiancee, Stephen Crichton's cousin, and he offers her a Mick Fuller designed engagement ring. Did that make you feel warm and fuzzy, Chris? I tell you what, the first thing I noticed was that all the Penrith boys were putting the premiership rings on their pinkies. And I am blaming Mick Fuller for that. It was brought in to preside, provide the blue and white check design element. He's designed them too small for the robust digits that uh, make a modern rugby league player. And the, the moment was beautiful. Everyone's pointed out that, you know, there was an early exchange of fluids. I, um, Brian was breathing profusely on Moesha's hair. By the way, Crichton Rapati. Now, that is a rugby league surname of the third one. But my male, she said, um, before she said yes, she goes, is there any chance I could get the premiership ring rather than the one that he had on offer? So it wasn't 100% the great romance story. I don't know what you thought, Brendan. Yeah, I wondered where he was hiding the ring through the yeah. game. Was <laughs> well, it the, I was wondering where he was hiding the box. Or the, or the, yeah, the box. Was it in the strides? In the head. Um, was that That's why, why he didn't score those two tries when he was close to the line because he was encumbered? Um, by that velvet, those hard velvet corners of the box digging into his testicles as he was running down the sideline. I don't know. But in the post-mortem when um, I think the GOAT, Cameron Smith, the octopus who doesn't exist, he went over to interview them and I thought it would have been nice if he if he threw to the bride on the first question because he had two yeah. questions from Brian that were about a game of rugby league that clearly if you're getting married, it's very selfish that other people are talking about silly things like football when it's the biggest day of a lady's life. And exactly I would have right. thought that maybe rugby league could have been an afterthought. 
And the first question could have been, did you see it coming? How long you've been dating? What's the plan for the honeymoon? You know, are you going to buy a house? What, you know, what do you, is this, oh, tell us, talk us through your big day. And, and then maybe just stayed with her and, and just, you know, see if she had any metaphors about the game towards their union. And the fact they talked rugby league, I thought was obscene. Well, you were talking before about this, this being an opportunity to get people into the game, to get people in America watching the game, to get women and kids going, how good would this be? You play rugby league and you get married. How good would that be? Do you know, it's a game do you know of what, love. Do you know what you're getting at there, Dennis? Why didn't they get married? On the spot, Elvis parachuting into the stadium. Yeah. Kate Miller-Hiker comes back on. Kate Miller-Hiker. When all the confetti comes up, they come through the tableau of the Penrith players. Ivan Cleary, celebrant. Gus Gould, you know, sends them off. The, The players form one of those tunnels and they go all the way to Panthers um, and get on the cable skiing and everything. Aqua golf, everything. Well, I think we should go to a song all about weddings. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, why not? And wasn't it funny that Cameron didn't actually focus on my issue and go, well, let's have a look and compare it to the ring that Barb got from Todd Greenberg those three or four years ago? Maybe that's why he didn't want to go there because rings, mm. rings, Cameron, Cooper, yeah, and Cameron is touchy. I should have told you from the start that we had had some fun With those wedding bells But you wanted me to be the permanent one Are you recording this? You should be singing it instead of that. Oh, I know. Now when we're in the movies or the back of the car You always stop me when I go too far So, grand final. Done and dusted. Let's get into some fun. Um, What have you been up to, Brendan Cowell? I understand there's a book. Tell me about your book. book. Yeah, it tells the story of a guy called Peter Lum. Peter the Plum Lum, a 49-year-old ex-rugby league player who um, works at the airport dragging the planes out. He's got a 16-year-old son who's looking to play first grade two when he grows up a bit and a girlfriend, Charmaine, and ex-wife, Renee, and... He um, loves a soft sand jog in the morning and 14 schooners in the afternoon and he um, drags a plane out onto the tarmac one afternoon, has an epileptic fit, finds out later on from some junior neurologists that he has uh, a um, degenerative brain injury and that it could be dementia or death if he doesn't turn his life around and um, that triggers a kind of a ripple effect of self-discovery for a man in his late 40s who's only ever known one way and um, Fred the Head knocks is pretty bashed up, but that actually opens his mind up uh, to the beautiful art of poetry. And um, he starts to get haunted by dead poets and become friends of the poetry club and write things down and discover that he not only was a poet on the field, but he's a bit of a poet off the field. This sounds like an episode of Fire Up. It's a, the nexus, as we said, the, the nexus of rugby league and the arts. That's what we're after. That's exactly what we're Big after. Version. Yeah, an epic literary version of this very podcast. 
So I guess my first question is, have you sent a copy to Jane Caro? Have I? Yeah, because- Well, she, she ghost-righted it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there you go. So you don't need to send her a copy. No. Because it, it's- I, I, I'm the fortunate um, person in this particular interview because I had the opportunity to read the book yesterday and uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic, Brendan. You've um, blown me away. And as I've come up with a review and you can use it. I, I haven't trademarked yes, it. Yes, hit me. I, could, I couldn't put it down. And um, it's got this world where you've actually taken real people and fictional people and people from – literary history and woven them into a reality. How did, how did that occur to you? It felt like an episode of the Larry Sanders show to me. I mean, I put myself in it at the end, you might notice I as did. well. <laughs> I, 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 I did notice that. You didn't – you may not have mentioned who it was, but it was, you know, it was a fair, fair amount of detail. No, it's in, pretty in meta. The- oh, I just kind of thought, why not? And, and rugby league, you know, the authenticity of it and hearing those names and ex-players and – also making up, you know, Peter Lum doesn't exist, but he's kind of loosely based on, I guess, a um, a Gavin Miller type player, mm. like one of the first players to be the ball playing forward, and but also a bit of a gentle soul, tough as anything, but a bit of a gentle soul who shunned the limelight. Um, and then, I don't know, it was just kind of in, in the first chapter where I went, I think Charles Bukowski walks into this bar. Yeah. Uh, and then that blew the whole book wide open. And just like his brain, anything's possible because with seizures, there's an inherent return to innocence. Um, he's also meddling with death, so it's almost like he's there. He can talk. He can contact the afterlife. Um, and I thought a nice kind of mix of, um, you know, of the real foundations of rugby league in Australia uh, and its heroes and its furniture um, with a fictional world, I thought, why not? And and it it kind of works, you know. And I've heard you talk about the book. You put a fair amount of research into the areas that you cover, and obviously one of them is brain injuries, concussion, and the like. And league, who did you speak to about those things to get a sense of the issue? I spoke to a number of players, but mostly a- a- Andrew, uh, the eighth immortal, Johns, who's yeah. a really good mate, of, has been a really good mate of mine for fifteen years, and and he. Um, yeah, I, I just told him I was doing it. He said, well, if you, if you want help, and I'll, t- I'll spill my guts. He goes, I don't care. Um, I, I don't, I've told my story anyway. I'm happy for it to be out there. And, um, and so I spoke to him a lot, uh, you know, him driving down from Magic Ground and we went for a few swims and, you know, a couple of dinners where I just kept the phone on and recorded what he was saying. I spoke to his neuroscientist, Chris Levi, who works at Sphere and, I, I also did um, a kind of mock-up of what Peter Lum's consults would be. So yeah. I recorded those actual consults as if I was the fictional character. So Because if you're playing with a sensitive and topical issue like concussion, you've got to get it right. And, of course, authenticity is the greatest fiction. You know, it just it reads so beautifully when it's the truth. And um, Joel Kane gets a credit as well. Yeah, Shul's told me a story. Um that's about the Peter Lum, you know, that is inspires the bit where Peter Lum comes home after a concussion and his wife's pregnant, eight months pregnant, he doesn't know what her, why her stomach's enlarged yeah. um, and he freaks out and, and, and goes, what is that? Why is your stomach so big? She goes, I'm pregnant. He doesn't know what pregnant is. Um, and that was after a concussion. So he And also I've been working with him on SEN and he's just generally a good bloke and has been incredibly helpful pushing the book, encouraging it. 
and um, connecting me with people. And um, so I gave him a little thank you. He's, a, he's such, such a top bloke. So, I mean, this issue has really become very prominent, not only in rugby league, but in all sport coming off the NFL situation and the like. And Steve Mascord, the esteemed rugby league journalist, he used to have a doomsday clock about rugby league. And when I first started doing Fire Up, it was set at 150 years. Within about two years' time, it had come close to 100 years and it keeps getting shorter. What do you think is the future of the game? Having done this book and researched the issue and spoken to people like Andrew Johns, do you view the game differently now? Because that's certainly what happens to to Peter Lum in the book, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, and like a guy said to me today on radio, have you looked at James Magnuson because he's suing the thing? And I was like, well, my book is not a case study. Uh, you know, oh, James McManus, you mean, yeah, 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 James McManus. And, and yeah. I, I said, you know, this isn't a case study of concussion, I'm not smart enough yeah. uh, to do a kind of study on it, you know, a scientific study on it. And, and I'm a fiction writer, I make stuff up, but my character has concussion, and so I don't pretend to know what the game should have done or should do. I'm just interested in Peter Lump's journey. Um, and I know that sounds like I'm, you know, uh, sitting on the fence with the answer, but I think the conversation is the important one. You know, the fact that this year you got sent off for hitting blokes in the head, unless you're Matt Burton um, or <laughs> D- Dane Gagai, Dane Gagai, um, you know, and all the, you know. Um, but I think what Trent Robinson and the Roosters are doing is amazing. It's more important uh, that players remember their children's names on their fifth birthday than it is holding shields and winning games. And I think just shifting our focus because sometimes in Australia, sport is the only thing that matters and winning is the only thing that matters in sport. And we deserve our sportsmen to give themselves out, give their lives over for our entertainment. And I think just that shift in the conversation, don't hit a bloke in the head or you'll go off. But then people are like, well, in the 90s, players got concussed for tackling low and into hips and knees. So it just needs to be looked at in coaching now um, as we try to get rid of the wrestle and all those things that twist our backs and our heads and just try to look at ways that you can make big, big efforts and smash people, but perhaps in that area under the neck and above the hip. Was it? I don't know. I did actually drop out because of my moment with Kate Miller-Heideke, but did you guys talk about Jerome Luai reaching for the back of his head and you could hear the entire cognoscenti going, don't do it, Jerome, don't do it, Jerome. And I thought that was a moment because he goes, you know what? I'm actually going to play on. Andrew John saying, get up, Jerome, play the ball, Jerome, play the ball, play the ball. At that point, uh, Luke Lewis on the ABC was sitting there outraged saying he should be sent off. He should be sent off. He sh- that w- that was Louis's call. Send him off. That's absolute staging. Complete fake. Send him off. <laughs> Just a couple of quick ones. That's before the thing. You have to go. Like, how can you police it and get a level of pain? Because some of those ones might be innocuous and they might have concussed you and broken your spine, and the other ones yeah. might look bad. And some of the like that Jai Arrow one looked bloody awful, and he was yeah. like, "Yeah, more." Um, and so it's hard to police. You know, it's mm. they can't wear a painometer. Um, where we suddenly get a sense of how much pain they're in, you know, sadly. 
Not yet, anyway. Um, just a couple of ones because I know you've got to go because you're on the promotional wagon trail and we're only just one mile. You can see, you can see the publicist hovering behind stop, him stop with on a it, clipboard. Yeah. Uh, Peter has a son called Gavin who's uh, displaying a lot of talent for, I think, the Sharks jersey flag team. It, first of all, is there any chance that the Tigers could get him? But he also <laughs> gets recruited by the Storm. And how much research did you do to go behind the walls at Amy Park to see what it would be like being stared down by Billy Slater and Craig Bellamy. I'm sure they let you into the inner sanctum for that, didn't they? Well, I remember going down with um, ex-chairman Damien Irvine and I and I got a tour of the facility. So I remember the purple hallways and the offices and a yeah. woman called Taylor Bott from the marketing team and uh, Jason Riles and stuff. So I'd kind of had a lap and, and I thought, oh, of course he's been picked up by the storm and, um, and then when he goes down, they, he realises they only really want to talk to his dad, you know, not even him. Um, and that's when he has his first act of being a bit of a rebel kid and goes, whatever, yeah. you know, and Billy Slater says, do you want to play six or one, you know, for us? And he's like, whatever, you know, um, <laughs> I don't care. And later on I had a whole monologue about why he didn't want to play for the Storm. But the lawyers made me take it out of the book. <laughs> uh, so now he just says, Dad, I've got to tell you something. So what's that? He's like, I don't want to play for the storm. And then the dad goes, I understand, Gavin. <laughs> you know, but I had to take my monologue out. You know, we won the last duel, so I should just, you know, accept my victories. But I thought, you know, it's a contemporary team and I think it's really fascinating insight for readers to see how that stuff operates and those player deals and player management deals and just how kind of epic they are um, well, for a young man. Well, you did do a very brief review of Cameron Smith's book and I wonder if the lawyers got involved in what you actually did write about Cameron Smith's book and I think it just ended up with uh, I've been misunderstood, I think, is <laughs> your entire review of that book. Well, you know, I, I in hindsight, I want, I want Gavin to stay away from the white stuff, you know, so that's why I protected him. Um, prophetically from the storm. There seems to be some real, real bad news guys down there um, who are just up at the supper club getting up to no good. Sharks players would never do such things. Ever. (laughs) I mean, there are so many layers to the book. I mean, you learn a bit about plums, actually, the the, the stone fruit, if that's the right (laughs) way to describe it as well. But just one final uh, um, plea to people. Get hold of this book. I mean, it's endorsed by Asher Keddie. I mean, that got me over the line to begin with. Because I actually just, I actually, for whatever reason, went back and had a look at X-Men Origins Wolverine and who was there in Project X Lab, but Asher Keddie uh, turning. Yeah. Uh, Asher uh, Keddie, uh, Trent on. Dalton, Malcolm Knox, Andrew Johns, and my drama teacher and Tug Dumley all endorsed the book. But, yeah, it's getting great responses and reviews and it's. I'm hoping it can cross over from the footy-loving bloke that has only read one book, Tiger Woods's biography since high school, or, you know, maybe, you know, uh, don't die with the music in you, um, or, you know, and, and this will be his second book since he left left high school. And, look, on page one, it gets into the etiquette of tipping, and I'm on record as saying that it's un-Australian to tip against your team, and guess what? I won the tipping competition this year. Now, I needed two jokers plus an extra two points because I tipped the Tigers to go 24 and zip. But that is how good Plum is. So, Brendan, I mean, we always love you coming on the show and um, I don't know where you get the time to do this, but congratulations. It's just an absolutely superb piece of work. Plum, I'm on board. Thank you so much and thanks for having me on. And, um, 
here's to a great 22 uh, with a possible Tigers-Sharks grand final. Yeah, yeah, with, um, with the Raiders and Rabbits nowhere. Well, the Raiders yeah. nowhere. It's been 414 games since Ricky Stewart's won yes. the grand final. 414, and it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, but we're we're but, only seven years into a twenty-five year plan, so just call your jets. Yeah, can someone just? I'll change my that. Fire off for the up season. We'll get to watch such exciting athletes as Mitchell Stark. Until <laughs> next year, I'm Brendan Cowell. Up, up, Cronulla. Woo! I'm what? What's that, Buzz? I'm worried about this podcast. We're at a really critical part of this podcast, Mick. There's no fire in your belly. You've got to rev yourself up a little bit, mate. <laughs> no, I reckon we need a commercial break, Mobsy, and come back fired up a little bit. That's all right. Look, it's your it's not my podcast. We're a team, but let's fire up. Please. And now it's time for the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould. Well, for New South Wales, if I'm coaching them, I'm thinking, well, we need to win one of these first two. All right, that's that's going to be vitally important. And that's the same in any series because you want to be in game three. And the sooner you can win one, if you lose the first one, well, you've still got to win game two to get into game three. If you lose them both, you're not in game three. If you win them both, well, they're not in game three. She's over, baby. And that was the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. Oh, that's Gus Gould again. We put that in as the the finest Gus Gould moment of the year because that explaining the mystery of how a three game series works. And I think no one else in rugby league. It's like the syndesmotic injury. No one understands how a three game series works. So it's great that Gus has explained that. Sadly, people do understand how a one game series works, and that's what a grand final is. And Pat. I'm sorry, Blossom. Well, I trust any wider. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards to you're right. I got the wrong, yes. wrong game. Call you fine today? No. Okay, you're fine for that game. Hardly material that would fire anyone up, right? Wrong. Pat, I'm sorry, Blossom, but your team didn't win. You're no longer in the running to be Australia's next top model. You have to pack up your gear and leave the model house. Okay? Yeah. I'll, um, if, if anyone knows, uh, I'm not a complicated person, Dennis and Chris. I like South Sydney and I like David Bowie and that's it. And that's been it for as long as I can remember. That's it. There's nothing else. And that has been it for a long, long time. And a good friend of mine named Henry works at Panthers. He does their social media. And at full time, phone started you're going off. So I turned it off. I turned it on at about 3.30 in the morning. I just clicked him a text saying, uh, congratulations, well played, well deserved. And then he has the temerity to post on the Panthers Instagram, a video of them winning with heroes by David Bowie. And I said, and I said to him, (laughs) (laughs) and so I said to him that that's also kind of, that's not appropriate to use heroes for Penrith Panthers winning the grand final anyway, because it's not about it's not about Penrith Panthers winning the grand final. It's about South Sydney winning the grand final. I know that. I've followed both for 
basically my entire life, and I know that that song is about South Sydney winning the grand final. <laughs> you can hear it in the lyrics. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, the new Bowie song about about South Sydney is Ashes to Ashes, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the um, this segment is propagated by the uh, inhumane amount of rugby league media I consume. Um, I've not consumed a second of it since since full time. But nonetheless, we forge on. So to tie up the loose ends, we've been trying to look for the, the rugby league's best best mathematician this year. It's been a bit of a, a, a through arc of the, of the show. And, you know, we've been going at like Paul Can and Paul Crawley and all these like little low-hanging fruit. But there is the... The, the biggest fruit, the highest fruit, the tastiest fruit, the sweetest fruit, who turns out is also a mathematician. What a day for him. He's coming here with nothing in his pocket and he's gone home with twice as much. <laughs> he's just got one to get to the hundred. Just one to get to the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the, a good way to round out the segment is go for the very top. And then now you know that I like to do a couple, throwing a couple of different points into the show. So you're thinking like, well, you've gone after everyone. There's no one left to go after. But until, you know, full time now in our last show of in this format anyway, there's one person I haven't quite gone after yet. So I was, um, so, so then it's, so, uh, so, so just be like, so, so I just like to first just, uh, um, yeah, and speaking of sharp uh, insight, we- there you go. That's everyone. Wow, so now you've gone to the top of the tree. Gone back to the start. <laughs> you've gone to second place with Ray. You've gone for Redfern Pat. Yeah, that's the it. Holy back to the start. And then for no reason at all, I'll just finish out the uh, the year of Media Watch with this. Is that daddy sitting up there? What, what's this? Are they gherkins? Powerade and gherkin, is that some kind of peptide or something? So that was there was no reason for that. That's just my favorite clip I've got. You've been absolutely masterful with Media Watch this year, Pat. And the general proof in the pudding is the fact that rugby league ratings are up. And I'm saying that's because you've been keeping those bastards honest. It may also be something to do with lockdown, but uh, magnificent work. I mean, be forever vigilant. Never, ever drop your guard. It is a yeah. tremendous, tremendous service you are providing humanity. I didn't, but I think you touched on it before, Chris. I was at Redfern Oval that morning, and I was putting them over from anywhere. I could not miss. Oh, if only you had taken that shot. If I only know. Reynolds had thought to maybe shift it. If he'd shifted the ball two meters wider. Well, because there, it's only a very small, um, uh, like stadium area, like shaded area at Redfern Oval. So if you practice them right on that left touchline, you get a little bit of shade from the stadium. So that's the best place to practice at Redfern Oval. You take it in closer to the, the penalty, the tap line, the five-meter line, if you're in no man's hands, you're out in the sun, you've got no idea what's going on. So, Look, look I, I'm no expert in this, but Daryl Halligan apparently said he didn't have the right foot energy. So, you know, take that as, yeah, as, well, as what went wrong. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can always tell it's like how long they take to kick it. And I think he took it like the normal amount of time he takes. So he just, I think he just, uh, he just missed. He wasn't good enough. <laughs> Beat, 
Well, do we have any feedback? Feedback for the last episode? Ah, uh, we do. I've just gone on to the group now. I was offline for a couple of days, so I've been catching myself up on the goings on, and and South Sydney definitely lost that game. <laughs> um, did you did you have that dream? No, you wouldn't have. I was going to say, I had a number of friends who were Dragons fans in 2002 when they actually won, who woke up the next day having had a nightmare that they dreamt that they'd won and it was actually grand final day. Well, that's a famous John Lang one. Remember that? When he, when he won the comp in 03, they, he's in his Dreiser bone, um, son Martin's running around somewhere and they go up to interview him and he's like, oh, mate, I'm just worried I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's going to be Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what feedback have we got? What feedback we got? We got Stewie Marla sent me in last week. I missed it, unfortunately, Stewie. Sorry about that. Um, a late uh, nomination for mathematician. That's oh. a twenty-five million dollar turnover a year. <coughs> yeah, twenty-five grand. That's one percent. Of course, twenty-five thousand of twenty-five million is point one percent. We also had our Terry Bull pointed this out from the post match. Your halfback co-captain. How do you reckon he's feeling at the moment? Who's that? Adam Reynolds. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Cam Murray had done a lot of tackling that day. That's what I want to say. And to be honest, I was the same. Yeah, yeah. South Sydney's halfback. Are you talking about Milford or Taff? Yeah. (laughs) Or um, what's what's the other kid, the former Tiger, Ilias? Ilias? Is he a former Tiger too? Oh, yeah. They're all former Tigers. That was funny. You know, Paul Kent uh, wrote, uh, he didn't think the Panthers were going to win. He said they're done. And then the Panthers turned that back on him. So then his article today or yesterday, like what do you do when that gets brought back on you? How's the dig at the Tigers? (laughs) Did you see? Of course I did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They just, I pointed out to you a bit, Chris, that just like the Tigers, well, they haven't played a game in four or five weeks. I mean, if you discount that Bulldogs game where they didn't turn up to, it's even longer. And they still, every single segment of rugby league media will still criticize the West Tigers. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about the Kenny article today about like we need to get over ourselves because nothing trumps a father's love for a son and we shouldn't be feuding anymore. And I just say, go tell it to Russell Crowe. I just stand by those words. Yep. Uh, we're talking about the pre the pre match entertainment. Jeff Bullos said, "You know that Ian Moss song, that famous one he's got about Craig Coleman's daughter." Yes, Tiger's daughter. Tiger's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the apology that's just come out from the Storm Boys. <clears throat> Let me read it. So Daniel Michael said this in, and Brandon Smith has said to our board staff. Old boys, members, and especially our fans, I'm sorry. And then comparing it to uh, Terry Bull's poor f- pro former, it looks as if that Brandon Smith's gone rogue and he's replaced partners for old boys. Mm. Yeah, so West he's family. gone off script. And just such uh, anyone who's not in the, I mean, anyone who's, who's listened to this far into the season and isn't in the group, they're probably not going, but. I don't know. Have a look anyway. Blowing up Deluxe on Facebook. Uh, a lot of stuff going in there. I don't think it'd be uh, befitting just to try and go through and 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 drop it all. There was a one funny bit. Emma Domini, who's South Sydney style, has really left her run late. Um, 
as MVP. Uh, she pointed out there was our Ida Butchess's son is now called former cocaine peddler. And she's saying, how would you describe other personalities around rugby league? Chris, you said uh, uh, Michael Ennis is former journeyman. So there's no greater insult to any player than to call them a journeyman, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew Johns, party drug addict, obviously. Oh, well, we've got got current. (laughs) Yeah, we got fair current. enough. Yeah, fair enough. I'd say former. Uh, Jacob, Mac- uh, Jacob McCarthy suggested former cruise magnate Gus Gould. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're going to get that up at Vivid next year. I guarantee it. On the Gus Gould, one thing that I wanted to do was I've been trying to tweet at him uh, about this, um, wrapping up this, uh, uh, what's his name? On Harry Nelson. Nelson. Willie Nelson. Harry Nilsson. Harry Nilsson. This Willie Nelson. Well, Harry Nilsson was probably there too. Uh, this Willie Nelson storyline. He's deleted his Twitter. Yeah, no, don't. But he's come back. G- Gus just does that periodically. Oh. He just goes off Twitter. Yeah. So he'll be back. Don't yeah. give up, Pat. Don't give up. Well, maybe we'll have to. That's a little bit of sizzle for round one next year. 100%. Something to look forward to. Cliffhanger. Did Gus meet Willie Nelson? Yeah, yeah. Which Who's Gus's favorite highwayman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm Phil Gould is back on he's Phil Gould 15 isn't he that's yeah. the actual Phil Gould keep going Pat he's back with confuse them with you silence shock them with your results I'm not sure what confuse them with you silence means well that's confusing isn't it very uh, we'll save that for the summer episode I'm not doing any more work uh, <laughs> Stuart Marler said Julian O'Neill former avant-garde painter <laughs> <laughs> again sports and arts coming together just like Plum. Um, and there's plenty of other stuff there that uh, was fantastic that um, we just don't have time to get into. But it's such a fantastic community. We had, I'm not a sentimental person, but um, we had a couple moments this year where we had stuff that one way or another found its way out into like a mainstream. And you just see like the filth and villainy that exists on the internet to have such a um, uh, a place like... Uh, the fans, you know, the people that contribute to the show is, is quite, um, it's very uh, it's very fulfilling. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, does that take us to Chris's kooky correspondence corner? It is, and I've got just a few bits and pieces apart from fan correspondence. First of all, did you come across the fact that Reggie the Rabbit, of course, Charlie Gallico, the 78-year-old who is Reggie the Rabbit, was unable to attend the game because of COVID, but they sent the suit up and it was uh, populated by a 15-year-old teenage girl. Uh, all I can say is I hope they... F- Albert What Albert Cliff wasn't around? <laughs> yeah, all I can say is I just hope they fumigated it. Um, Dogstar in relation to when, you know, it was were we having a game and what would the percentage of the crowd be said that uh, the horsemen could achieve a 50% NRL big dance cull by revising tickets from per seat to per head, evoking <laughs> the spirit of, <laughs> uh, of Paul Gallen. Uh, Katie Brown... Everyone take note, Flame Trees, which got a run and even made Pat sentimental on grand final day. Flame Trees is about Grafton. And with the NRL grand final in Queensland, you all know where I'm going with this. Hashtag Grafton is in Queensland. And then hashtag thank you, Dennis Carnahan, wasn't there. No, no attribution. Nothing. Dennis. What is is the – because I think originally it was called Jacarandas because they're the Grafton tree. Well, there is is Flame Trees as well. In, in Grafton. Oh. 
Right. The Illawarra See, I don't, flame. I don't the know bra- how Jacaranda would read. Yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, I think, think Jacaranda is an album by Trevor Rabin, who ended up in Yes, but that's another story. Well, Jacaranda is uh, a South African with- tree, whereas the, the the Illawarra flame, the Brachychitin, um, Alternate Flora, I think it is. That's your uh, that's your, your flame tree, which wonderful tree. It, it, it loses its leaves, and then it go bright red flowers on bare wood in spring. Um, thank you, and of course, Trevor Rabin is from South Africa. Uh, just a couple of amusing things in the press. Brandy Alexander, I don't know if you caught him. I went back and had a look at the Fox after game and he was a cat on a hot tin roof in the last 10 minutes and then he teared up at the end. Oh, my goodness. And and then he was asked by Von Sampson how he felt and he, he, for the second time on air this year, he said, well, honey, uh, that was terrific. But he's talking about uh, Nathan Cleary's shoulder and he said it was hanging and they tried cortisones to try and shock it into some scare tissue to strengthen it a little bit but I don't think much of it worked. Maybe that should have read scar tissue, but there you go. And look, just a particular shout-out to Nick Walshaw, the master of the metaphor and, dare I say, rugby league cliche, was at his best giving the grand final player ratings. And he talked about when Matt Burton had a big moment when he bungled Jackson Paulo into touch. Bungled. I think that should really, really, really <laughs> catch on. Thank you, Nick. And I have seen a purchase order for classic sportswear and the value of this order was $89,900. Would anyone know what that might be for? 89900 That's right. 10000 I'm, I'm, I'm seeing $89.90 there. Yeah, the start. yeah, yeah. 2021 Premier's T-shirts approved in the South Sydney colours and logo. So, oh. Are they going to go in the bin at Prince Alfred where my uh, bottle of Bollinger went? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll be rep- repurposed, Pat. In an appropriate way. Now, Dennis, before you throw to me to throw to the final segment yeah. that I like to do, do you mind if I just do a few quick thank yous? Oh, please. First of all, I'd like, I think we should thank the game, the players, the referees, the <laughs> trainers, the coaches for all the magnificent contribution that they give to us. The journalists. And then I think, well, the media itself. And if you think of the five pillars of the media that we so rely upon on this show, television, radio, internet, Print and Gus Gould. We say thank you very much. <laughs> to, to the people who do listen to this show, the legion among you, we really, really appreciate it. We love all the feedback through the Facebook page. I echo what Pat had to say about blowing up Deluxe. We're going to try and get closer to you guys in a fun way and, and in a legal way <laughs> and get a little bit more participatory stuff going because it's great to be a part of a community who underneath it all absolutely loves this game. Which game is For that? Si- is that our game? Yeah, our game, exactly. And, and you'll be hearing from us in about a month's time in a summer series, so look out for that. Uh, thank you to all our friends and family who allowed us to do this. Uh, to my partner, Mary Jane, who's in the uh, office right next to me and hears me yelling a lot during this, very much appreciate her patience. But, look, there are really four people I want to thank the most from a personal point of view. First of all, to the NRL, to Peter and to Andrew. Thank you for everything you've done for us. It's just been incredible here being able to continue to podcast fire up during lockdown up here on the Sunshine Coast. We couldn't have done it without you. I know we have a bit of fun, but you are both wonderful gentlemen, as indeed are you, Dennis Carnahan and Pat Mulhern. And I don't want to single anyone out, so I won't, but you both do magnificent work from Dennis, your monologue, to the tireless work you do in the editing suite, Pat. I'd hate to hear the stuff that you've got on us that you've edited out over the weeks. But the I just go, Pat, can you get me this audio? And it's probably something from the 1956 preliminary finally goes, that's not a problem. It's been an absolute joy working with both of you. And I feel that we've um, done 
all right by the Fire Up Legacy. So thanks very much, everybody. Well, thank you, Chris. And thank you for all your tireless work in the preparation of the notes, which, which I just sit in passenger off the back of every week. And that's not an understatement. Um, but with that, can we one more time, just one more time, can you give us one more new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters? Another new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters. It is my solemn duty to confirm that the Sydney Roosters will be participating in the 2022 no! NRL competition. Oh, well, that is indeed another reason. So they're not going to just go for the expansion team in the Dolphins. <laughs> Enough already. Enough already. We need 16 teams in Magic Round. Roosters drops out. They've been here for too long. That's- A beautiful idea. All right. Well, with that, we're going to have a short break, as Chris said, a few weeks, and we'll come back with a summer series and looking at the summer sport and basically dealing with all the cocaine allegations, the TikTok allegations, and all the other sundry bits that Rugby League will throw up in the off-season, plus the player movement. Aaron Woods, where's he going to sign? Curtis Scott, where's he going to go? All this joy. We'll be having guests each week. Ash Taylor, where's he gone? Ash Taylor. Uh, Woods is... Woods has gone yeah, to the Woods dragons. The dragons. Oh, the humanity. And look, the cocaine and TikTok, that'll just be NRL head office only. <laughs> and who else is going to the Tigers? Who's going to the Bulldogs? Who would want to go there? But with that, thank you. We welcome Tyrone Peachy to the West Tigers. As Chris has said, thank you all for listening. Thank the And thanks all the followers and all the members of Blowing Up Deluxe who've put in such a tremendous contribution all year. And we look forward to doing it all again next year. But we'll take a short break and be back for a summer series. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what absolute madness. It might be madness, but I've enjoyed it, and I hope the viewer has as well. There's that's because you're time. mad. What? You're mad. Well, that's a lovely way to go to a break. You love the madness. You are dead set, Jake. I love you, man.